Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. All right, so we are wrapping up our series, Finding True North, where we've been looking at our mission, our vision, our values as a church family. And uh, today, I just want to kind of start things off with something a little bit different. Um, I don't know how many of you know uh, Steve White. Anybody know Steve? Yeah, that's right. He he plays bass. He does a little bit of everything. He pulls a trailer uh, almost all the time. Now he's getting some help and some people are helping pull that trailer and all that kind of stuff. But he does so much for our church family. But one of the things that he does really, really well is give hugs. Can anybody say amen to that? You ever had a a Steve hug? Everybody's different. Some people are huggers. Some people are not. I am, you know, I'm sort of the middle of the road. I like hugs. I don't get bothered by hugs. I'm glad to hug anybody. I don't always go for the hug first. I'm more of just to classify, just so you know, okay? It's kind of like your Enneagram number. Y'all need to know my my hug thing. Um, This is what I am on the hug thing. I am normally like a bro hug. So it's like you go in for the shake or, you know, something like that. And then you go with the one arm, that, that. Or like, you know, the side hug. That's normally my my go-to, you know, except for really close family members, you know, I usually, you know, I'll, I'll give other people the full-on hug, but my close family members are the main ones I reserve that for, you know, and some of y'all might be there with me. Some of y'all might be like, when somebody comes in for the hug, you're like, ha! and run away. Anybody willing to admit you're that? Don't let Steve see you if you raise your hand. Okay, good. Um, but I've asked Steve to come out and demonstrate what real hugs look like. You know, he, like, I am in that middle of the road, you know, on, on how, yeah, give it up for him. Give it up for him. But I am, you know, I'm middle of the road. I'm a pretty good hugger. Like I said, I'm not worried about it or bothered by it. I love to hug people. But he is a professional. Well, he's sneaky. I, I thought he was going to be over here. But okay, there you go. Very better sneaky. Um, but anyway, so he is a professional hugger. And so I just wanted to, you know, get a hug from him real quick. All right, give me a hug, buddy. Okay. All right. That, that didn't work exactly the way I was thinking. Um, let me put something down here. All right. Let's see. All right. Let's, let's try again. All right. Okay. Whew, I had to turn my head there at last second. That was getting kind of close. All right. Uh, I, I'm going to put something else down. All right. Let's try this. All right. All right. Let's go again. All right. That's, that's getting better. It's getting better. I, I've still got too much going on here. Let's, let's try again. Let's try again. Nothing between me, the, you and the word, and me and the word. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. All right. Let's try again. All right. Let's go. There you go. There you go. That's what a real hug's like. All right. That's the way you do it, right? That's the way you do it. Y'all are underwhelmed. Y'all are underwhelmed. I thought y'all would be excited about that. All right. Thanks, buddy. Um, The reason I do that is, yeah, I'm, I'm strange and I'm different, but here's why I do this. Because you don't experience a full hug, especially a Steve White hug with your hands, what? Full. You know, no matter what, you know, you've got stuff in your hands, you're trying to juggle, hold on to it. You cannot experience the fullness of a hug from Steve or your friend or your neighbor, your husband, your wife, your kids, whoever, when your hands are full and you're just missing out. And that's the thing that I want us to think about and realize you're not getting the full effect. It's good, you know. I mean, he gives those good bear hugs, you know, you can still feel it, you know, feel it on my arms as he's wrapped his arms around me, but I can't fully experience the goodness of the hug. It's nice, but you're missing out. And I would say that a lot of Christians are right on with about 98% of their life in Jesus. 
but they're holding on to their money and their possessions and their sense of security so they can't hold on to Jesus. And so today, I'm talking about something that is uncomfortable for a lot of people, and some of y'all might be uncomfortable with hugs, and you might be uncomfortable with talking about giving and generosity, but we want to talk about it because so many of us get so much, we, we get so close to Jesus, but then we don't experience the fullness and the goodness that God has for us because we hold back in this one major area. And many believers spend their lives not giving God that part of their life, and they feel like something is missing, like they're not quite getting the full-on hug. You know what I'm saying? And the truth is, there is something missing. There is something missing. If you haven't surrendered your giving, your generosity, your money, your finances to God, you're missing out. You're missing out on what total surrender feels like. You really are. You're missing out on what total surrender feels like, what it feels like to let go of it all and trust God in everything so God can show up in ways that amaze us and sustain us and fulfill us like stuff and money and possessions can never do. Now, some people, your guards are already up. Your guards are already up because, you know, we're talking about money. And some of you have believed the lie that churches only talk about money and that's all they ever talk about. And there are some people out there, especially people on TV, that get caught up with money and they talk about, I want a jet and all this sort of stuff. And they got, you know, I've got houses and all this sort of stuff. You know, and there are some that have given Christians and churches a bad name. But for the most part, when people are teaching the Bible... We can't skip a huge portion of what's covered in the Gospels and the rest of the New Testament. Jesus talked a lot about money, both as an example, but also as the fact that he says you cannot serve two masters, both God and money. And he knew that that was one seed of power that a lot of us would not relinquish and therefore completely miss out on a full hug from God. <laughs> Not to be trite, not to be trite, but we're missing out on the fullness of what God has to offer us. And let me, let me say this, and everybody listen really quick. We're talking about money and how we relate to it, not because we want something from you, but because we want something for you. We want you to experience, we want you to experience the fullness of what it means to be completely surrendered to God. And, and that's something, and man, if I could give you that gift, because I was not born with that just desire to give, and I still at times struggle with it, even though I do it all the time. Sometimes my heart isn't connected, but I try my best, and I am much more generous in giving than I ever was before. And so I want you to experience what it is to be completely free with giving everything over to God. You can't experience everything that God has for you if you're holding on to stuff. You know, if you're just holding on to all this baggage, you know, and you're holding on to all these different things, and, you know, if you, you, you put it down, it's like, well, you walk away from that old sinful lifestyle that you used to just be owned by, and, you know, then you, you put down, you know, you know, you used to run with the wrong crowd, and you're like, okay, I, I try to witness to them, but I'm not going to spend all my time with them because they pull me down. But then the whole time you're sitting there, you're holding on to your money, my precious. <laughs> yeah. Some of y'all really don't want to, like, amen too much. Y'all afraid if y'all, like, amen too strong, your account might get debited or something like that. Like, what? 
<laughs> but that's the thing. It's like we hold on to it. And we're just like, okay, it, it's a little awkward. I'm having to hold on to this because can I tell you what? I think you probably know, but just in case, let's, let's get it out in the open. For a lot of us, whether we have a lot of money or a little money, it's all about our security blanket. And we're like, man, I trust you, God, but I'm not quite sure I want to give up my blankie. I'm not quite sure I want to give up my security blanket. If I let go of this one thing, how can I really know, God, that you're going to show up and provide for me? I, you know, God, you do a lot of amazing things, but I need to make sure I got your back, God. I'm just, I'm just freeing you up to do something extra for somebody else, Lord. You know, we might justify it. I don't know. But, you know, God, I've got to hold on to this, okay? But as long as you're holding on to this money and this thing like this, this sense of security, you are never going to be able to experience the full-on open freedom of laying it all down and being able to embrace all that God has for you. And right now, some of you are battling and warring in your mind. You're thinking, uh, uh, nope, he's, uh, uh, nope, nope. But you try it. Try to have freedom because I guarantee you if you're arguing on the inside, if you're arguing in your brain about releasing that final part of your life to God, I guarantee you spent a lot, if not all, a lot of your Christian life feeling like something is missing and that you are looking from the outside in and you see other believers and you're like, what is it that they've got that I don't have? And I would say it's probably not something they've got. It's something that they've put down and they've let go of. They've trusted God even with their finances. And for a lot of us, that's the last stronghold. And so only when you come to God with, with open arms and, and empty hands can you fully experience and embrace all that God has for you and all the life that God intends for you. Last week, if you were with us or if you're watching online, we, we talked about the key to movement, and it was basically this, getting down deep in Jesus, and there was one big key word, together. Getting deep down in Jesus together, that's what the church is called to do. And as we do that, we start moving out to reach other people. We get down deep and we move, we move, we move. And as we do that, we really start to gain some growth and momentum but when we move and we build up speed, there undoubtedly will be some mountains and some molehills that will get in our way. Some things, we think they're mountains, but they're just molehills. But then other times, there are mountains that get in our way, and we're, we're chugging along as a church, right? We're chugging along individually in our faith, and we're like, man, I'm really starting to feel this. I'm starting to grow. I'm starting to make an impact. I'm starting to really get connected. And then something, this mountain pops up, or this molehill pops up, and it's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going, chugga, 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 chugga. You know, and it's like, oh, oh, can't. Can't get over that hump. Can't get over that bump. Can't, can't climb that mountain. And the momentum can stop. It'll slow us down. And at times, it might even tempt us to say, I'm just tired of pushing. I'm just tired of pushing. So I quit. I give up. I'm going to stop pushing. And I believe that one of those mountains that could be getting in our way as believers, as, as people, right now is honestly our economy. The economy is not the greatest. This isn't anything political, but it's just the honest fact of inflation is killing people, right? How many of you have gone to the grocery store and left crying? <laughs> Maybe you didn't admit it. You like put a bag over your head or something, you know. But like, have you seen how much groceries cost? I've got these boys that are huge and eat a lot of stuff. 
And I'm like, come on, y'all. Y'all got to start going foraging for berries and nuts out in the woods or something because it's like insane. It is expensive. And so it, it gets tough, man. When the economy gets tight and prices go up, it just, it makes us just like sort of draw in, right? And we're like protecting and, and hiding and, and hoarding. And it's really easy to allow ourselves to get slowed down. And one of the things I've realized in myself, and I think a lot of us struggle with this, is when things get tight financially, whether it be in the economy or just for us, you know, we go through a hardship or something, the first thing that we often do is we cut back on our giving to God. We won't cut back on Starbucks, if that's your thing. We may not cut back on eating out. I know that's our struggle as a family. We're busy, and it's so easy to just go out to eat, you know. We, we don't cut back on that. We don't cut back on toys for our garage or our home or expensive clothes when we could get something a little less expensive, many times the first thing that we do is we cut back on our giving to God. And so how do we really build momentum when fear creeps in and when we want to just hold on? I, I believe that there are three keys to build momentum as a church family, even in the face of momentum killers, like things like the economy or things like difficult situations in our world and in our culture. And those three things are these. I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now. A shift in perspective, in attitude, and in priority. The first one is this, a shift in perspective. If we have a shift in perspective, it can help those stop those momentum killers and we can keep pressing on. The perspective change that we have to have, the shift in perspective that we have to have is that everything belongs to God, not us. Most of us struggle with giving to God because we feel like it's us giving to God. When all he does is give to us and then he just asks us, just trust me with part of it. Trust me with part of it. Give back to me, and you'll see that I always provide. I always have. Everything belongs to God. Scripture says in Psalms says that he is the owner of a, a cattle on a thousand hills. You know, he owns it all. And that's just, that's really short selling it, right? He owns it all. He owns everything. And when we have this battle in our minds of this is my stuff, this is my stuff. Anybody remember from Nemo, the seagulls? Mine, 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 mine. You know, that's the way we get, right? That's the way we get because it's, it's mine. And we might share with a few people and we might share with our family and even some close friends, but it's like, it's mine. And so even if you're sharing, but your perspective is this is my stuff, you're really going to miss out. You're going to miss out on the fullness of saying, God, you've just given it to me to manage, to be a steward of. And I'm going to try to be a wise steward of it. Jesus told so many parables with money as an example or as a reference point, And he related it to our stewardship of, of you know, things like our talents, our gifts, you know, opportunities for the gospel. And yes, even money as well. And he tells us throughout the scripture, throughout the gospels especially, we'll have to give an account for how well we manage everything, not just our money, but everything that God gives us. How well are you managing the opportunities to share the gospel? How well are you managing your love, your abilities, your talents, what God has blessed you with, and even, like we said, your money? Because here's what God told the Israelites in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17. He said, Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. 
You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. He says, even the strength that you have, yes, you go out and you work for it. And if you're a self-made person, it's really easy to get caught up in that. It's like, this is what I've earned. This is what I've worked for. There are people who aren't working and I've worked for this. But God gave you the strength to go out and earn what you've got, didn't he? He, you know, he's warning, he's challenging, he's saying, don't you dare, now this is my paraphrase, don't you dare say, oh, this is what I've done, this is my strength. He warns very carefully, make sure you trust and know that God is the giver of all good and perfect things. Everything we have comes from God. The power to work and to earn. So let's not be arrogant and prideful, but remember that what you have, everything you have comes from God. Even this. Even your breath. Even your breath. Job 1 verse 21 says, And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We don't bring anything into this world, and we will take nothing out. We are just managers and stewards. But the question is, are we good managers? Are we faithful managers? Are we good stewards, faithful stewards of what God's given us? It all comes from God. Remember that. You're blessed to be able to hold a little bit in this life. If God doesn't ever give you a million dollars, you're still blessed to breathe and you're still blessed to have family and friends and move and, and, and be able to get up in the morning. And when you shift your perspective like that, it changes the way you look at everything. The second thing is this, a shift in attitude. We have to learn to change our attitude from an attitude of fear to an attitude of gratitude. An attitude of fear to an attitude of gratitude. Fear leads to greed when it comes to our money. When, when the economy gets bad or we go through a rough patch, we start getting fearful, don't we? Is that true? 99.9% .9 of us have at least a little bit of fear. Maybe you're really smart with your money and you store some away, and, and that's great. But all of us have a little bit of fear that clicks in when, you know, we think, oh, they're having cutbacks at work, or, you know, prices are going up, or you fill in the blank. You know, there's an injury, and there's hospital bills. You know, you fill in the blank, and we get a little bit of fear, and there's a real temptation for all of us when we get that fear to then become greedy and start being like those, those seagulls, right? Mine, 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 mine. And we start holding it and pulling it all in together, and we're just holding on to it all tight. But when we're holding to all that stuff really tight, what, cannot, what, what can't we do? Embrace God. We can't embrace God, so we've got to make sure we change our attitude from fear to gratitude. We fear a loss of power, as we talked about a little bit earlier. We fear loss of security. It's like, God, I know I, I got to make sure I help you out in this. I got to look, I got to take care. I got to be smart. I got to be wise. I don't want somebody to have to support me. And all the while, we're telling God the same thing. I don't want you to have to support me, but he gives us everything. How foolish of us. And so we can struggle with greed. We hold on to it all. And now, more than ever, with things the way they are, it's a real temptation for most of us, if not all of us. And Proverbs 11, verse 24, answers that idea, though. It says, one gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. 
Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. What God is saying through the proverb writer here is that when we hold on to stuff, it only slips out of our grasp. Do you guys remember the old Looney Tunes um, cartoon where, uh, was it Martian, uh, what's his name? I just went blank. Marvin Martian, thank you. And he had his, his pet alien, that big giant thing, and he grabbed Bugs Bunny, and he, what did he say? I will hug him and squeeze him and name him George. You know, he's like that, and he's about to pop, you know, Bugs Bunny's eyeballs out of his head. I will love him and squeeze him and name him George. He will be, and that's what we do. When we get scared, that's the way we hold our money. I mean, George Washington's like, you know, his eyeball's about to pop out of his head because we're like, I will hug him and squeeze him and name him Joy. I ain't even going to talk about Andrew Jackson. We probably don't even have many of them, you know, when things get tight, right? But we, we hold on to it, and we feel like, I've got to hold on, I've got to hold on. But the Scripture tells us that when we hold on, all it does is just completely slip out of our grasp. You know, just like Marvin the Martian's alien did with Bugs Bunny, all he's doing is trying to get away. And you ever seen a little kid with a kitten or a puppy? That puppy is afraid for its life. Why? Because that little kid is doing what? I love the puppy. <laughs> you know? And the puppy's like, trying to get out. That's the way it is. But when we give freely, we're only blessed. And we ourselves are watered, it says, to use that example. We end up squeezing everything we love and hold to death. And we lose more than we gain. So we develop an attitude of gratitude. But here's one of the ways I think you can do that. I don't want to just tell you to do it because when you're afraid and when you're struggling and when you're dealing with fear and greed, possibly, it's hard to say, okay, I, how do I be grateful? How do I practice gratitude and have this attitude shift? And it may sound simple, but as somebody who I've been doing well on giving for many, many years, but then still struggling with gratitude, for the past several months, I haven't missed many days where I get up and I actually write in this little book, I'm not much of a journaler or anything like that, but I make myself do it. And let me just pause and say that. You can make yourself do hard things if you want to enough. You can apply that however you want. And I, I'm preaching to myself on this. And I am not somebody who likes to do this. I hate writing. I'd much rather type. But I wanted to make myself do the muscle memory of writing down things that I'm grateful for. And sometimes there are things, that, of course, like my family that I mention in here. But then, I, first one I opened says, a serving church. Thankful for you guys. Some of you I've got in here by name, just when you pop in my brain. But sometimes it's little things like sunlight coming through the leaves in the fall, in the early morning. And I'm not one of those people like that. I don't, I'm not really overly poetic, but I saw it. And that wasn't the first thing I wrote. The first few things I wrote were my family, you know, my house, you know, cars that work 50 to 60% of the time, <laughs> you know, things like that. But then the more I started to do it, I started to be thankful for even the small little things like breath in my lungs, the laughter of a kid. You know, and here's what I'm saying is I just started making myself write down what I'm thankful for. And I found out that there was so much more to be thankful for than I ever imagined. So I want to challenge you, if you're struggling with gratitude or you start to feel fear creeping in, start every morning, just a couple of moments. You know, I don't write a whole lot. I just write two or three things that I am grateful for, that I'm thankful for. And sometimes I even write 
trials and struggles down. Now, that took a while to get there. But I'm like, Lord, thank you for helping me rely on you during this time. So write those things down, and your attitude of your heart will begin to change, and you'll see that you've got more than you could ever imagine. Well, the third thing is this, a shift in priority, a shift in priority. We often give to God after we've paid the rent or the mortgage, we've paid the bills, we've bought gas, we've bought groceries, and we've gone out to eat. And then we say, well, let me see what I've got left, and I'll give something to God. And that's the way a lot of people give to God. But I want to challenge you to really consider flipping that priority on its head and saying, I'm going to give to God first. You know, in the Old Testament, when they, when they had the, the tithe, then a lot of times in, in the, the Old Testament times, the tithe was like their produce that they, they provided for the land or the, the best of their flock or things like that. But then it also could be money as well. But it said, give the first fruits, give the first things that come off the vine. Give, you know, the best things, the, the pure spotless lamb. Give those things. Give to God first and he will provide everything you ever need. Let's not have the perspective or the priority of we're going to say, God, if there's anything left, it's all yours. Because now more than ever, there's not really a lot left at the end of the month, is there? As prices skyrocket and things get unstable, it's easy to get to the end of the month and there's not really anything left. And so it, it seems like, though, when things are going on like this, are, are you still with me? Stick with me. It seems like when things are going like this as they are in our world or you're going through a rough patch with your family financially, it seems like, well, I've got to prioritize this way, you know. We've got to have a place to sleep, right? I've got to be responsible. I've got, we've got to have food on the table. So I'm going to move God down the line or I'm going to keep him at the end of the line. But that's not the right perspective. That's not the right priority. We've got to learn to put God first. When we learn to trust God enough to make him the priority, he shows up in ways that we never could have imagined before. And I want you to test God in that. That's one of the things he says in Malachi. That's the only thing that God ever says to test me in. It says, give to me, trust me, and I'm going to show up. Test me in this. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Jesus talks a lot about how we trust him and how we give. And he starts off in verse 19. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What he's saying is invest in kingdom things. Invest in people going and coming to Jesus. That's where we need to invest first. That's where we need to invest most because that's storing up for ourselves treasure in heaven where those things cannot be taken away. Skip down to verse 24. It says, no one can serve two masters. This is what Jesus says. We already alluded to it. For either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. If we want to say, oh, well, he's just talking spiritually here. He, know, he comes out and says it really clear, right? God and money. You cannot serve both. You've got to serve God or you're going to end up serving money. You have to put God first. Look at verse 25. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? 
You know, have you ever thought about that? You know, a lot of times we quote that passage or we've got a rough idea about, about don't worry about the birds will be taken care of. He's talking about how you give. Do you trust him to provide for you instead of fending for yourself? He's saying, don't get caught up in the trap. Don't get caught up in the game. Don't worry about expensive clothing. Don't worry about all this stuff. God will provide. Now, you be wise. Absolutely. Don't mishear me in this. Be wise. Be a smart person. If you've got money at the end, spend it on what you want to spend it on. But give to God first. And then look at verse 31. He says again, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Do you believe God? Do you believe God? Do you believe him in this too? What's one of our greatest issues that people struggle with in our culture now? Worry and anxiety. And the economy has only made it worse. But for us as believers, do you believe God? Do you trust him enough to continue to give to him first? He says very explicitly right there, he says, your, fa- your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. You need clothing. You need food. He knows, you know, you're not going to just wake up one morning and be naked and God was like, oh, man, I forgot. He's, you don't surprise God. He knows you need them all. He said, but seek first the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Trust God to give to him first. So decide to make God your priority and give to him first. And everything you need, I want to emphasize that word, need, will be added to you. And I really believe that this last one, the priority one. If you change this one, and see, this is one that you can just do. You, you can just do. It might be scary. It might be terrifying. It might be really hard. You might do it almost with a clenched fist, but give to God first. And When your check comes in, when it's deposited into your bank account, however it comes in, the first thing you do is say, okay, I'm setting apart this for my giving. I'm going to trust God. I believe then. That's the linchpin. That's the thing that flips the lever, the fulcrum that really does the heavy lifting of starting to change your attitude and starting to change your perspective. Because you say, God, I'm going to give to you first. I'm going to trust you. You'll start to see real change in that perspective, real change in that attitude when you make this key pivot first. Give to God first for his kingdom to move before the mortgage, before the rent, before anything, and see how God shows up and helps change your perspective and your attitude. If we want to see momentum in our movement, we have to surrender every aspect of our life to God. Some of you guys know and remember um, Christy McKinney, very sweet woman who's been a part of our church for a couple of years and just a few months ago uh, had to move to take care of a family member up in Michigan. And we were so sad to see her have to leave the area. 
Um, she hadn't been really involved in a church in quite some time until she came to Movement, and she just sort of fell in love with Jesus again and fell in love with Movement Church. And, and she shared some things with me over time about her, her life of faith and how she had always struggled with money, had always struggled with money. I'm not saying anything. I'm not talking. She knows. I've, I mean, she doesn't know I'm saying it right here today, but she wanted to share this story. But she said, I've struggled with money. I held on to it. I didn't have much, and so I just held on to every little bit. And so even though I was following Jesus at times, I was not willing to give him anything because I thought, I don't have enough to give, and what I would give doesn't make any difference. But then overhearing God's word and getting into God's word, she started giving and giving generously, even though she still didn't have a lot of money. And right before she had to move, we didn't know she had to move at this time, but uh, we got together with her, and we filmed a testimony video of her where she told her story. We didn't really coach her or anything. She just shared from her heart. And I'm telling you, I sat there across from her off camera, and I was getting emotional just like this because just the honesty and the openness of what she was saying, how God had showed her and taught her. And, and she didn't have tons of money coming in. It wasn't like she gave and then she got a big, huge financial blessing, but God was meeting her need every time. And she was giving and trusting, and she was giving and trusting. And you know what? I would love to tell you that I could show you this video right now. But when we got home, we knew we had this amazing testimony of people, the way a lot of people feel. And she had seen God show up, and the audio was corrupted. And I don't want to be a spiritual conspiracy theorist, <laughs> but I believe the devil did not want you guys to hear her story. We've recorded video after video. We've never had that issue. It was unusable. And then she had to move. And the reason I tell you that is, right now, the enemy is probably whispering in your ear, if this is a struggle for you, don't believe a word he's saying. Don't give to God first because you need to protect you. You need to look out for yourself. You need to make sure you've got enough. You need to make sure your kids are provided for. You need to make sure that you've got money for the rent. And you've got to, but trust God. He will show up, but he won't show up if you don't need him. If you just try to fend for yourself, he will not need to show up. So trust him and he will show up in ways that you can never imagine, you could never dream of. We have to trust him in everything, even in our finances. And when we do, there'll be no stopping what God will do in us and through us together. It's time to come and give him our all and experience everything that he has for us. No more holding on to anything. Today, if you're holding on to something totally different, your, your sin, your struggles, your past life, your pain, you can let that go and you can surrender your life to Jesus and we'll walk with you through the scripture. We'll baptize you into Christ if you need to be baptized into Christ so you can have forgiveness of sins and you can have the Holy Spirit or we can invite you back home if you've already done that in the past and we can say, come and you can be free. Just drop it all. But maybe today your thing to drop is your trust in God over your finances. Maybe today that's what you've got to drop and you can be free. But don't leave here without experiencing the fullness of what God has intended for you. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.